This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hi, Jim. Hello, Brian. Good to see you, man. You too, brother. Looking forward to the conversation today, and uh, we're going to get right to it in a minute. Before we do that, if you can, if uh, you would like to know more about our ministry, go to practicalshepherding.com. There's tons of resources from articles to other podcast episodes that we've done, uh, a bookstore, and all kinds of things that uh, we want to serve you in whatever way we can. And you can also contact us through the website. So make sure you feel free to do that if we could help you in any way. Also, you can go to iTunes and write a review for our podcast. That helps us to grow and spread the word of the podcast. And yeah. almost all of you ignore that. But if you would, that would be nice. It would, get it would one help or, us. We get one or two uh, occasionally when we, when we mention Occasionally. At least when we like mention two that. a year. Yeah. yeah. So, that's that's, yeah. It. that's better if than nothing. If you've thought about it, go ahead. That's right. Our, our loyal listeners have already done it, is what I'm assuming. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> We're going to try to tackle a topic that's, that's tough to talk about, but it's very relevant, obviously. So we want to we want to give it a shot. And uh, give us grace as we try to just be uh, uh, honest about this and, and dialogue, because we need to have a, a hopefully helpful conversations about this. And that is trying to pastor through some of the contentious issues that are going on right now. Two, the two main things is the, all that's happened with the pandemic. I'm dealing with hundreds of pastors who are and talking to them about divisiveness in their churches over this issue on how the reopening's happening and the, just the idea behind it. And then obviously we have all the the, the protests that have come, and um, the, the differing views around that, and that's caused a lot of divisiveness in churches too. And not just churches. I mean, you know, I'm I'm part of the SBC. I mean, there's there's a lot of divisiveness even within denominations around this. And so this is a very serious thing in regard to what one how the church needs to show up and how the church needs to talk about these things so that Christ is ultimately made known in it. So these are the things we want to try to, to hash out today. Jim, before we dive into this, though, what's some just some scriptural basis we can start from to help us know how to have this conversation? I think a couple of things come to mind, Brian, and, and that become issues of pastoral concern. And we say this against a backdrop that there, there are issues where you can wrestle through the data that's available to you and perhaps come to some honest uh, disagreement and, and conclusions on, I mean, that happens theologically and it can happen in regard to particularly matters relating to the pandemic. I think all of us have really struggled with how to interpret the data that's been given to us and, and what it all means. And so, you know, whether you should open, whether it was, whether we're doing things too quickly and 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 all of the rest, the, the the but the the background behind that and where I begin to get concern, it falls along two extremely important biblical lines, and and one of them is the issue of how we express our love for one another, and then how this affects the unity of the church, mm-hmm. and those are matters that. I don't think we can talk about in ways that would make them sound too grand. I mean, they are that important. So that, for instance, when Jesus says in Mark 12 about the matter of the two great commandments, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, he says, there is no commandment greater than these. Right. And so there's nothing greater, right, when he says that. Uh, And then you take the matter in Matthew 7, 12, where Jesus says, as you would that others do to you, so do to them. And then he uses this language, for this is the law and the prophets. And what he's saying is, 
this is this is the essence of the ethical standard of God's word relationally. Mm-hmm. That we have a heart and mind for one another, to to love one another. And then Paul even expounds, I think, in, in the book of Romans a bit about uh, bringing in the second table of the law in regard to loving each other and, you know, honor your father and mother, uh, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness. And if there is any other commandment that is summed up in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And then you take what our Lord Jesus says about both love and unity in, in, in the upper room discourse, love one another, that all men will know that you are my disciples. And then later he prays that our love and our unity would be a means by which the world will know that the Father sent the Son into the world and that we are loved by God the Father just as much as God the Son is loved by the Father. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible argument that Jesus makes. Mm-hmm. And, and then I would take Ephesians chapter 4, we're having described the beauty and the wonder of the gospel and some of the implications and applications of the gospel for Jew and Gentile relations. And that then goes into this explosion of praise about God receiving glory in the church. And then he says, starts uh, Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the, uh, of the calling with which you have been called with all lowliness and gentleness, bearing with one another in love, striving or endeavoring to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And what he's saying is this this is as much a gospel issue, this is as much uh, for the honor and glory of God, for the shining forth of the witness of the church, and so that when brethren not only disagree, but when that disagreement becomes contentious and when it becomes heated, and, and we live in a time, Brian, where people, a lot of people have social media, and they are uh, arguing with each other with uh, you know conflicting videos, even sometimes conflicting sermons uh, and data. Read this, read that. Oh, you're stupid if you don't believe that. You're well, you're a coward if you don't. Uh, you're a racist if you don't. No, well, you're a social, you're a Marxist if you. And that kind of language is not just the language of hey, let's talk about our differences of baptism or or church government. This mm. is cutting to the core. Uh, even at times of questioning people's Christian walk, questioning their uh, whether or not they're Christians even sometimes, by the way. And so they do that in the virtual world. And I jokingly said in our prep, you know, if you die in the matrix, do you die in the real world? Well, mm-hmm. if you if you kill each other in the virtual world, are you biting and devouring one another, as Paul says, in the real world? So, so that's... a Maybe more than you'd ask for, but I think well, those are important. I think things. we need to add those are good. Te- those are good biblical uh, principles. I think we need to add a text to that as well, and that's Romans fourteen. I think the the idea of the conscience really matters in a lot of these conversations. So, um, especially through the pandemic, that has been. I think that has been a helpful text to focus on because so many of the opinions of you know, so many of these strong opinions people have are really. A lot of them are about the conscience, not necessarily something, you know, certain passages that people can point to to say, this is how we know this is the right thing to do, this is the wrong thing to do. Right, and that's a different thing than some of the more contentious issues around race and what that, how that should be addressed right. and, and how that should be thought of and where your sympathy should be and your, you know, even, we're, we're, it's so volatile that even to, to for somebody... 
who is conservative uh, largely to, to uh, say that we should have some sympathy or we should we should show compassion or that we should listen is to be dismissed as, well, you're embracing critical race theory, you're a social justice warrior, you're a cultural Marxist, and where any language is, is becomes then inflammatory, and, the, and then really on both sides, or, or somebody says, anyway, there's, there's all kinds of contentious I, language we could even use right now and realize it could be triggering to somebody or other listening to this. But with that, what, part of what we're saying is, Brian, if, if, if we're online and if we are friends with the members of our congregation and we see this happening, we hear these argumentations, do you weigh in online? Do you weigh in publicly? Do you weigh in privately? So do you make this a matter of, brethren, listen. I'm aware right now. You say this in preaching. So maybe you preach through a passage like Ephesians 4. And, and and say, obviously, when Paul says bear with one another in love, he is indicating that that there are people that are difficult in the church, right? Yep. Uh, so Paul says to the Thessalonians at one point, it's like strengthen the feeble, help the weak, and then he says, and be patient with everybody. Right. And, and those exhortations of patience, love is patient, indicates that people are pro- provoke one another and have provoked each other for thousands of years. But we're able to express that provocation now in a way that's before the, the eyes of the yeah, world. That's right. We're having these arguments, and do you say to them, it's okay to have that argument. It's, 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 you can have a healthy argument, a healthy disagreement, but where, does it, where do the alarms go off that you want to say to somebody maybe, listen, that's not helpful or that shouldn't be addressed right now? or that you need to keep in mind that this is a beloved brother or sister? What concerns do you have, or do you have those concerns? Well, so I think there, I think there's a lot we could obviously hash out. I think there's two main ideas that I think we should tackle in regard to this. Number one is how do we, how do we pastor those people who are in disagreement, who are at each other on social media? And then the second is how do we, as pastors, address this publicly in the church. So okay. those are the kind of, the, I think, the yeah. two strands yeah, right. the that I think would, be, private. It would help the public and the private. So you're asking about, in a sense, the, I mean, the private, like kind of, like social media all of a sudden takes what a lot of these private conversations that should be having mm-hmm. and happens publicly and other people watch it and, and, and read it. And it's, and it's part of the reason why it becomes a very uh, toxic environment to try to have a, have an argument. So you know, I think the first thing to try to figure out is how, how do we pastor people who are not just on opposite sides but feel very strongly about it, and if they are issues of conscience, uh, have a hard time honoring the other person's conscience, which is what Paul is calling people to do in, mm. in Romans 14. So I think that what I find is a struggle and, and, and as a pastor is to try to figure out how to, in a sense— be the one to create, um, um, be a mediator to help create a conversation that's healthy and good between people. But then the other battle we have is we all have our own opinions about it as pastors. Mm-hmm. And I find, you may be different, but but I find it is largely unhelpful for me to share my opinion boldly to the church who is trying to, who are on opposite sides of these things. Some pastors do share boldly their opinion about certain things. Yes, they do. But I find it, I personally find it hard 
to then be able to enter into the conversation to help the other one maybe see where the other one's coming from and mediate that conversation. If one of them knows I'm on their side, maybe necessarily more than the other. But on do you do you share your opinion when it comes to these private conversations? You're trying to pastor people through this? I generally, at least on social media, and again, my social media presence on something like Facebook has largely been to show pictures to my family right. who's abroad. Right. Twitter, a little bit more, has been to uh, maybe promote something like your ministry or uh, other people's ministries, uh, quotations from books, uh, and then uh, what I will do is I I will just quote Scripture. Mm -hmm. And that Scripture, as it is timed with certain events, I think you can can say, listen— you're not going to. I mean, you're not going to. You're going to have our time arguing with the Word of God. So, listen. This is this is what the Word of God says, and what the Word of God calls us to. For the it, record, it, that's it, a good way to use social media. So, by the way. I mean, right. So, that's a whole other conversation we could have sometime. But so, uh, I I know some actually like to stir things up. I, I think that our part of our pastoral qualifications that we're not brawlers, we're not strikers. We're not contentious. We're not to be contentious men. And even when we disagree and rebuke, Paul says we're to do it in a spirit of gentleness with the hopes that it will bring a person to repentance. And that's a whole other matter, Brian, maybe, maybe for another time, but I think that the the desire simply to win an argument or to blast another person yeah. is rarely helpful. Right. It, it, it rarely is going to help them change their mind. Whereas an attempt to listen, an attempt to, to 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 answer with gentleness, is is going to have a far greater uh, opportunity to to win that heart, and then to be listened to, and perhaps win or change that mind. Yeah. Uh, so, so what have you done, or Brian, have you done? What have you done to address? Let, let's talk about particularly. Maybe this is the safer topic for some. But the issue of the pandemic, we we another thing you didn't mention, Brian, but we talked about in prep is this is a this is an election year, yeah, right. And it turns out that our president uh, sometimes causes really strong feelings. Stop on it! Now, really? I, I'm going to go out on a limb and <laughs> a limb and say that. Um, and you're going to have people in your church who absolutely love the man, think he's the, he is the the greatest you know president uh, of all time, and others have a really hard time with him, yeah. and, and that can be not just a, oh, you like the Yankees and I like the Red Sox. Now, that's contentious enough. I've had to deal with that tension yeah. in my church, Brian. Yeah, no, and and, and, uh, and you have a clear opinion about that, so I don't know well, how you deal, I don't know how you deal with I that. I have a lot of factual things I can bring out about that. <laughs> you argue no, with I'm your Yankee hat on when you when that happens, right. don't you? No, <laughs> I, but I don't. And, and you know, anyway, that's a whole. Yeah, I don't wear my Yankee gear to uh, to certain <laughs> events because it's not worth having. I, I'm not a contentious person. I don't want to be a contentious person. But have you? If, if you've gotten on and you have seen somebody sharing uh, videos or articles saying, for instance, that the uh, COVID nineteen is the biggest hoax that has ever been perpetrated uh, on mankind. You're an idiot. You know if you wear a mask again, you might as well put it over your eyes because you're that blind. You wear a mask. You do that. You're kowtowing to the man. Uh, blah blah blah. You got that, and then yeah. you have on the other hand. Listen, this is really serious. You're not you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. You may be causing harm. You might be putting people in danger. That that comes out of that's not just two people saying 
you know, uh, I, I, I think elderships looks like this, and you think it looks like that. This is somebody saying, on the one hand, you're a fool. You're a gullible fool, a toady of a totalitarian government, and you're violating the second great commandment. Yeah, so I'll, I'll put my cards on the table. I have, in regard to the pandemic, I have people who think this is, uh, the COVID-19 is a hoax, and it's a, con- and a conspiracy theorist. I have people who have still not left their homes in three months because of, of such paralyzing fear over this. I have, I have African-Americans in my church. I have police officers in my church. Um, I have people all over this spectrum um, politically as in, in an election year. So like I'm all three of these topics, I'm feeling the weight of, of the, the, the variety of, of passionate opinions that I have. Honestly, I find that one of the best things that I do that, that's effective in pastoring people through this mm-hmm. is, is to listen and just listen. Because what I find is a lot of people, when they have these passionate opinions, a lot of people don't feel heard. And so I, I think that just allowing, just being somebody who would sit and listen and not try to argue, not tell them how they're wrong, mm-hmm. not tell them that they're dumb, but to think the way they do. It's amazing how much, like I will sit and listen to somebody and I won't even share. They won't, they won't ask where I am. I mean, some ask and I might share some things then, but I find just, just listening and not trying to persuade them one way or the other is actually a good middle ground as a pastor to try to just realize that part of them working through these issues is feeling heard. And a lot of times people don't feel heard when the other person's waiting to jump in and, and mm-hmm. attack them about mm-hmm. it. So that would be one of the biggest things I would say. We we can't, I mean, God has to create love in people's hearts to love one another even when they disagree. What we have to do is we have to try to foster and remind people of that love, which is another thing I would do. So I listen as much as I can uh, so people feel heard. And the second thing is is to remind people uh, that that love is to dominate our relationships with right. each other, especially on matters of, of conscience and things. But And some of this is conscience, and obviously some would say it's not, but I find listening and love and and pushing people to love one another, not trying to convince people one way or another. Now, I want to acknowledge that's hard to do as a pastor because I have an opinion about all these things. Well, even Brian, practically in regard to the coronavirus, you've you've had to make some public decisions based upon the data that most convinces you. Right. So some pastors aren't meeting, even though the state says they can. That's right. They've made the determination not to. Yeah. And by meeting, by saying we are going to go ahead and meet, you 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 are you're saying to some degree that I think we can do this safely. I believe we can do this safely. That's taking a position. That's true because it's others pretty, are saying others tr- are others are saying I don't believe you can do that. And and to both and to say I hear you and I love you and I care about you. But obviously, I disagree with you, and the major, you know, and I've had to make the elders have had to make a decision, yeah, uh, uh, on this issue, and and even just simply by means of opening, you're making some degree of a statement that could be a, a potentially offensive. Even with that, of course, you're not going as far sure. as some would want you to go, right? Well, why are we only meeting, so, you know, half, or why aren't we only, or, or why are we meeting at all? And you're too strict, you're too loose uh, in, in those kinds of a things. But you yeah. just have to try to. And when you meet, did you require masks or not? Like all that's a position on this, right? So right. I, I do think, and I, as I was trying to make a decision and talk to a lot of pastors, they were making their decisions about this stuff. 
I found that one, I mean, obviously trying to find a middle ground based on how, where the congregation is, is a big piece to this and trying and knowing you're not going to please everybody. But the other thing I found that was helpful in trying to figure out how to find the middle ground and then make a decision, which as you pointed out, is an official position to take is when you can provide an alternative for somebody if they don't like your decision. So to not meet at all, and you've got people who really think we should be meeting, and this is you know this is silly that we're not meeting. There's really no not a whole lot of options other than continue online church, which which you know I certainly have have not enjoyed through this process. But one of the things we did is when we started meeting again, and you provide an an option for them to live stream the service if they don't want to come. That actually mm-hmm. feels like a legit option of okay if you're not comfortable coming, that's okay. We'll honor that. We'll provide a way for you to be able to watch the service. And so I do think having an alternative, they may not like it, but having an alternative to the situation, which was there with the pandemic, the the protesting, the uh, the election stuff, like that's that's a n- different conversation, obviously. Yeah. And I think in, in both of those cases, you have, you, you do have, I think legitimately someone can look at it and say, there are, there really are some moral issues here. And some would say, obviously there are some very gospel centered issues here. Yep. And then also you have you know simply some some very political issues that uh, are part of that that we are, are wrapped up to some degree in our faith sometimes maybe more in our culture than we like to think it is whether it's a right wing culture or a left leaning culture that that we think we're just interpreting the Bible we think we're just quoting scripture but you know so those things can happen as well so let me ask you this Brian so there's a difference when you're you're you are well let me go back real quickly okay all right have you said anything publicly about these contentions about let's said listen brethren in our church right now there is a threat to our unity over this and brethren listen you have a right to your view a right to your opinion you don't have a right if you want to express that and you want to express that publicly, recognize that you are are attacking a brother or sister that you love. And so ensure that you are speaking in such a way, that you're addressing that in such a way. It's like, so for instance, years ago, I, I had a, a pastor friend of mine who was preaching a message on on against paedo-baptism, against infant baptism. But he brought with him a photograph of a pastor he loved who was a Presbyterian, mm. and he put it on the pulpit. Mm. And it was just a way to remind him that I, I that if I get inflamed in my rhetoric to remember, there's a brother I dearly love who holds to an alternate position. Yeah, that's good. And, and so I think, do you ever say to somebody, have you ever to say, expressing your opinion is not necessarily is not, is not anything commanded in scripture. What? Loving your brethren is, being slow to anger is, being willing to listen is, being willing to yield is. But we we are so American in this. I have to I have to speak my mind. I read an article, now I'm convinced. So this that, is the danger. This is one of the chief dangers in my mind of social media. Because for whatever reason so many people think that I'm obligated to share my opinion on things. And that's what social media becomes. And like, I mean, you know, Jim, anybody who follows me on social media, I use social media for certain things and that's right. it. Right. I don't I don't share a ton of things. And I've actually gotten grief at different times 
with yeah, uh, Brian, why aren't you speaking out? Yeah, I why mean, aren't you letting you have, it be you known? have these different followers? Why right. you you have an obligation? It's like right. actually, I don't. I don't have an obligation to do anything on my social media. I don't want to do, and that's the problem. Is I think there's all of a sudden there's this obligation that people feel, or again, I think so many people don't feel heard. So it's it's right. it's this way that people feel heard, but it often comes a very unhelpful way. To, to try yeah. to communicate. We do have an obligation to shepherd the flock that's that's among us. Right. And and I think to address, again, either publicly or privately, well, issues that are driving wedges or building walls in our flock. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, so let's that, let's that, go to so, the public we, we were talking about because okay. uh, what, I, what I have been saying, and, and to connect what we were just talking about, I have, I have said to pastors, tried to be consistent with it, do not feel obligated to say anything on social media. Right. You do need to feel an obligation to say something to your church about this stuff. So, and I'm and I'm sp- talking specifically about the the uh, the the protest that you know George Floyd's death and all the things that this has stirred. And like you, you pastors need to not be silent. I have said that about this. Now, what you say is going to be really important that you think about. But these are issues that I do think silence is saying something in the same way that not making any decisions about a pandemic and just leaving it is 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 actually making a decision about it. So I do think we need to publicly address things, but how we do that, that's that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, and and I think Brian, even as again we get back to this, I just shepherd the flock that's among you. Because and I say that obligation so, because it's our pe- it's right. our flock. And so right. right, what is our flock and who is our flock? And, and and just as we need to understand where our flock needs to be encouraged, and at times again knowing our flock where we might need to be reproved. So I shepherd a flock that is. Among our older folks, they're far more likely to get almost all their news from Fox News. Yeah. They just they just are, and uh, and then younger folks not so much. So you can see sometimes there are culture divides, sometimes gender divides. Mm-hmm. We don't have as much racial divide, and that's partly because we're, we are not as we're not really. I mean, we're somewhat racially mixed. Uh, we have uh, one of my one of my fellow elders is an African American, yeah. but he's an older African American. He's 60, 60 mid sixties. Yeah. Uh, he grew up uh, pre you know the the Jim under Jim Crow laws. Right, right. He, you know, he has a very different take on things than some of our younger African American members have had. Hmm. It's been helpful sometimes to listen to both, sure, I mean, and yeah. to hear that, and, and and even for them to hear each other. Uh, on things and, and and to recognize, okay, there are people that want to hear something said, and there are others hoping you're just going to ignore it. Don't say anything, or if you do, make sure you don't rock the boat. Make sure you don't uh, uh, question anything about uh, you know racism or anything like that, because there are there are people, there are mostly white people, that that if you even raise the specter, yeah. They question your loyalty. They question your orthodoxy. They question your uh, holding to the gospel. If you say, "I think there's," a, I think there are still race problems here, and I think that you need to consider in your own heart if your own heart is closed toward, or if you always carry just a, if some have a uh, a narrative on on the one side on the left that you have a narrative on the right that if they have an echo chamber, maybe you have an echo chamber too. And that we need to consider a lot of what God has to say about, because God does talk an awful lot about 
God does address issues of oppression. God does talk about care for the weak. God does care, talk about care for the poor. God, and, and, and I don't think that that leads us to communism or to socialism or to critical race theory, but I think we can say that, and I said this publicly the other day, that as, as much as I disagree with critical race theory, I'm actually more offended at the sins of that produced it, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I want to be—I want to be clear to say something like that. To yeah. say, listen, I—I—I I, I think critical race theory has a hopelessness to it, and, and that, and that—that that ultimately, again, does have a different biblical worldview and a different gospel. But that didn't come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like critical race theory deals with unicorns flying spaceships. You know, mm-hmm. like what? Well, that doesn't exist. But it's addressing real-world issues that do affect our flock and the way our flock views themselves and how they view each other. And as we want to expose the flock that's among us to the Word of God uh, publicly, sometimes I think we might we, we may need to say something where in the past we may have been silent. So I think, let me, let me set a context. This will be the last thing we talk about. We're in Louisville, Kentucky. I remember I was sitting with my wife a Saturday night a couple weeks ago, and I remember looking at her and, going, and saying, so... When hashtag Louisville, Kentucky is the top trending, that's probably not good, is it? And and obviously there are riots everywhere and protests that were happening, and that some turned violent in different places. But Louisville was a was a was a pretty major place right, where a lot of this happened. One of the major places. We're both here, okay? So, and a lot of it happened over the weekend, and then we come together with our church, the people uh, who we are entrusted to shepherd, who live in this city. And many of them who live were living around where the protests were, some of them living where some of the violence happened, some of the, the property damage happened, all those kinds of things. What did you say publicly on, on that Sunday? Yeah, Brian, what I did is I, I well, I actually preached from Matthew seven twelve, and as you would that others do to you. And I, and I think that was a good text because it addresses both sides of this issue. And yeah. I ultimately sought to show that the that the second table of the law, beginning with honor your father and mother, that if you want to know when the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself, it deals with things like embracing the, the matters of authority. And, and it deals with the issues of caring for life. And it deals with the matters of, of, of family. And it yeah. deals with the matter of, of, of property. Part of loving your neighbor as yourself is you shall not steal. I mean, they, and you shall not destroy your neighbor's property. That's mm-hmm. part of do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So mm-hmm. those those things are being bandied about. Yeah. And, and so it does deal with at times being able to speak to uh, power and position to say God's eyes on you. You know, and you cannot. You're not allowed to abuse that position. But it also speaks to people about being under authority. So anything that says anarchy in the name of love your neighbors yourself doesn't understand yeah. what God says about what love is. Mm-hmm. And so it also talks about so the, the ninth commandment and you know and, and the tenth commandment and how does that how does uh, not speaking un, uh, untruth, uh, making sure you get your facts straight, making yeah. sure you speak the truth because part of it's part of loving your neighbors yourself. It's not contrary to it. It's actually doing it. And so you're right, Brian. If I were a pastor in Norway, I might not deal with it. I'm a pastor in Louisville. We, we, and everybody's we thinking, had to. everybody's yeah. talking about it. Everybody's thinking about it. But let's bring not my opinion, not my thoughts, but let's, let's see what the Word of God says so we can at least begin to feel like we've got our feet on some solid ground. Yeah. And I, I had some pastors calling me Saturday saying, hey, 
should I change what I'm preaching? Should I, you know, and make those adjustments? And I actually, I mean, obviously that was, that needed to be their call, but I told them, I, I mean, I'm preaching through Genesis. There's things in what I'm preaching uh, on Sunday that, that apply to this. And so I, I didn't change, but I was definitely going to acknowledge it. And uh, I actually preached, I, here's one of the ways I have found that I think is helpful in addressing, especially the the division around the the protests and all that's happening with that. And that is the, the the powerful and very obvious biblical truth that every human life matters. And that, you know, we're created in God's image. Every single one of us are created in God's image. And so I'm in the middle of Genesis, and that's really focused there. So to be able to point to say, every human life matters. That in, that includes African Americans who 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 die unjustly in in different ways. Mm-hmm. That includes the police officer who was attacked at a protest who's exactly trying to just right. keep the peace, and he died. That's right. that's not okay either. Right? Uh, no, it's right. The elderly people and the vulnerable around the pandemic, yeah, their right. their lives matter. We should make some decisions around that. So right. you know, I have found to be able to put that biblical truth in front of our church, it allows me to point to both sides and go. You know, you, you what you're saying matters. What you're saying matters. Let's try to listen to each other in, in the midst of this. And that's how I approached it. And then we did a pastoral prayer all around right. the, 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 the pain and the hurt and the grief that many on both sides are feeling around this. And I, I had church members come. I had a police officer came up to me and who even had said, you know, uh, the, the way this was handled was, was helpful to me. I've been in churches where I felt you know, I I felt really isolated on this, and on the other side, there's there's going to be African Americans who certainly have felt that way in a predominantly white church around these things. So, yeah. to, to to be able to talk, to be able to pray and address it even in a prayer, I find that to be a helpful way too. Jim, any final thought before we as we wrap up? I get I, I Isaiah eight twenty to the law and to the testimony. You know, if they speak not according to this word, it's there's no light in them, and, and that's just Brian letting our. Uh, just trying to get back to what are we called to do as pastors? We're called to to bring the word of God publicly and privately. I think we are called to courageously address issues that are before us. I think we're also called to really to strive to try to help to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and to give exhortations to God's people to be patient with one another, to hear each other and to pray for each other and to recognize that there may even be something greater at stake mm-hmm. and, to, and, to, and to recognize that not only does God have a will in this, the enemy has a will in this, and let's not do the enemy's work for him. Sure. No, that's good. Uh, my final word would be is pastors try to find, I pray for wisdom and discernment around what is a issue of conscience that you need to honor on both sides. And what is not a matter of conscience and what is something that is biblically true that we have to stand on and we have to be courageous about even if we're going to upset people in this i know that's really hard line to find in the midst of of pandemics protests election years all these kinds of things but um, I, I do think that's the line we're trying to find try to figure out what is conscious is conscience issues because we're told to honor those things but then we're also told to be courageous to defend biblical truth and what that is and we need to try to we need wisdom to try to figure out how to do that so Jim will you we pray for that pray for yeah. pastors to be able to have that our father in heaven these are uh, these are difficult days uh, in which to uh, shepherd the flock that's among us we, we are in unusually contentious times. And these contentions in our nation are reflected in many of our churches. And so, Father, we pray that we would be given help 
and love and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control as we uh, seek to uh, labor to shepherd the flock that you've given to us in this hour of your providence. We ask ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.